This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The following is a sponsored program. Zoomer Radio and MZ Media Incorporated do not endorse any of the statements or opinions made by the contributors. People are just so supportive. I've posted things on there and gotten incredible feedback. And even just being able to answer my questions when I have them, it's so nice because I know it's other members that are living the program that are answering these questions. And at least it gives me an idea of a solution to the problem that I was having. Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. Today, we'll hear about the actual health benefits of chicken soup. We'll discuss how to avoid injuries in group exercise classes. We'll find out why resolutions to lose weight often fail. And lastly, we'll learn fun new ways to meet your fitness goals. But first, a little bit of business. Today's sponsor is Purely Natural. Their liquid greens chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained, natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with that great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy, enjoy the detox, enjoy the great taste. Purely natural. Joel Thuna is a master herbalist and general manager of Purely Natural. He strives to improve the quality of natural products in the market and passes along his knowledge of herbal remedies through lectures and articles. He also happens to be a columnist for Tonic Magazine, and his latest article in the January-February issue is all about one of the greatest healing tools known to man, (laughs) chicken soup. How are you, Joel? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I'm happy, and I can't help but giggle with that one. Yeah. I'm excited about this this topic. You know, when I saw your article and you pitched the idea of talking about the health benefits of chicken soup in a scientific way, I'm all over it because I think it's fantastic. So let's go to the beginning here. Uh, are the benefits of chicken soup real or mythical? Well, that's a double-edged sword or two sides of the same coin to answer that one. First off, we have to talk a little bit about the history to get into that. Okay. It, it, it makes it a little more yeah, interesting yeah. in my opinion. I know in my family... Growing up, any time there was a sniffle, someone sneezed, or there was a cough, chicken soup was there. We always had some in the fridge, always had some in the freezer, and every time I went over to my grandmother's house, it was always on the stove. She seemed to be making it perpetually. (laughs) It's a cultural thing amongst our people. Chicken soup is the jam. And looking it up, actually, it's touted as one of the best ways in thousands of texts to both prevent and treat all kinds of winter ailments. Not only has it been reputed to work well against a whole raft of them, it's funny in that every single reference I found to it also talked about how delicious it was. Of course. (laughs) Who doesn't like a bowl? Now, there's a dichotomy. Are you a chicken noodle or a chicken rice man? I'm actually a purist. I don't put anything in it. I just have the soup and veggies. Oh, I'm a purist. Aren't Occasionally, I'm multiple. Okay. <laughs> I'm the noodle man. I love chicken noodle. I don't understand the chicken rice people. I understand they exist. <laughs> I don't know why, but there you go. All right. So you're, you're getting a bit into the history yeah. of chicken soups. So let's go back. 
Back in time, let's talk about chicken soup in the dark ages. Well, definitely. We can actually trace it back to about 10,000 years ago in Southeast Asia when uh, right around the time that we started domesticating avian species, be it turkey, duck, chicken, etc. Right around that time, the ancient Greeks started to put chicken in water and boil it, (laughs) creating broth. Now... Not nearly that long, but pretty darn close. We find that they start talking about it as a healing agent, not just as a food. About the 12th century, there was a book called On the Cause of Symptoms by an Egyptian Jewish physician philosopher, and I'm going to try and pronounce it right, Mamayanides. Yes. I apologize if I got it wrong. Uh, He talked at length about chicken broth as a treatment for malnutrition asthma, and even leprosy. Yes. At the same time that we find other scholars talking about chicken soup to cure everything from bedwetting to leprosy. See, leprosy, I'm not sure. (laughs) If I got leprosy, I mean, I would certainly still have chicken soup. (laughs) I don't know that I rely on it to help me with the leprosy. I hope I never get leprosy. I think that's a wise course. But if I get leprosy, I will continue to have chicken soup. Well, there you go. (laughs) There you go. All right. So let's carry it forward. Um, what was chicken soup, what, what, what can it be used for? Well, tons of people use it for common cold. They use it for flu. They use it for sniffles, right. aches and pains. I found tons of information on that. But in order to understand whether it actually works, we have to go through first and, dis- and understand what a common cold is, what the flu is, sure. and what all the other things are. Yeah, yeah. So let's go through common colds first. Yep. Common colds are viral infections. Everyone gets colds. Period. There is no one that doesn't. Children in my realm called germ factories get more colds than adults. There are over 100 different viruses known to cause the common cold with new ones popping up every year. Colds usually last one to two weeks. You can catch a cold at any time of year, but they're more common in late winter and early spring when we're cloistered indoors really close to one another. So every time one person sneezes, everyone enjoys the germs. Yep. And they usually come on slowly over the course of a couple days. The important thing is they're not nasty. They're just annoying. Yes. They really are. Now, flus, they're a different story. Influenza, commonly known as the flu, is an extremely contagious respiratory illness caused by one of two viruses, the influenza A or influenza B virus. It appears frequently in winter and early spring. It comes on rapidly, attacks the body by spreading through the upper and or lower respiratory tract. Now, the cold and flu are both contagious viral infections. We already covered that. Symptoms can be similar And they occur roughly at the same time, but the flu is much worse. A cold essentially makes you feel tired and drags you down a bit. Just you feel a little yucky. You can get into your sinuses. It gives you headaches. It's unpleasant. Yep. But the flu can make you bedridden. It can knock you on your butt. Both cold and flu cause coughing, headaches, and congestion. But the flu normally causes body aches, high fever, fatigue, and weakness. It's dangerous, and I do mean truly dangerous, in the very young and the elderly and people with compromised immune systems, and people actually die every year from the flu. Hmm. It's not. Everyone, obviously, because then we'd have a population issue, Right. but there are people who die of the flu. People don't die of the common cold. 
The other big thing to know whenever anyone's talking about cold and flu, no matter what anyone tells you, anyone, there is no cure. Yes. Cure. The word cure does not exist in cold and flu. You can deal with the symptoms. Uh, you can set yourself up so that you don't get as many cold and flu. Correct. Uh, but once you have it, it's got to work its way through your system. Correct. And a big thing with this one is antibiotics are 100% useless. Right, because they, they deal with bacteria. They, there's no such thing as an antibiotic that deals with viruses. Correct. And even worse, if you use antibiotics when you have a cold or the flu, you're actually contributing to the development of superbugs. Right. So it actually is a huge negative, not even remotely a positive. Can I interject for a second? I just want sure. to talk about uh, my experience with cold and flu since I changed sort of the way I conducted myself. Mm-hmm. When I was lethargic and not exercising, and by that I mean when I was obese and mm-hmm. carrying extra weight and not sleeping well, I would get cold and flu probably two or three times a season because I was just susceptible to it. Mm-hmm. When I started losing my weight, when I started exercising, when I made sleep a priority, I maybe, maybe get hit with one cold or flu per season. So I've actually cut it down by two thirds just by living a healthier lifestyle. Oh, definitely. There's no question. Your body is less susceptible. Right. To infection of any kind. Correct. Yep. No question. If that isn't a reason to get off your butt (laughs) so that you avoid getting the flu, I I don't know what is. The other big advantage is you now probably enjoy winter. Yes. As opposed to dread it. I don't dread it. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give you enjoy, Joel. I will say I don't I don't dread it. So so how does chicken soup help? What what's it doing? Well, here's the fun part. A doctor, Stephen Renard, mm-hmm. at the University of Nebraska Medical Center, published a study on this. He actually researched what chicken soup does. He was, of course, prompted by his grandmother, <laughs> but he did do it. And The study is so important that it's been cited in over 1,200 publications since he published it. Wow. Which is, that's big. Yeah. He found that chicken soup is a powerhouse of beneficial compounds because of its ingredients. And if you think about that, that actually makes sense. You're taking carrots, onions, celery, the spices, garlic, turmeric, ginger, In my case, I use a ton of oregano. I love oregano. I put basil in it. I put a ton of parsley in it. Mm -hmm. And you're getting concentration of a lot of the health benefits of all those things, which you already know are very healthy. It doesn't get boiled off? Like the health nutrients? Some of the volatile compounds and some of the spices will, but the whole thing is there's so many things overlapping into it that, yeah, you're losing some specific compounds in some of the spices, but you're still getting so many other healthy things. It makes up for it. I understood, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that the fat content in the broth, I mean, you don't want to have the pure fat, but the <laughs> fat content actually kind of helps in fighting some of the symptomology of colds and flus. Like it helps. It's w- not in and of itself that it helps. It's the fact that some of the nutrients get trapped in it. Okay. And so they're, they're saved or preserved, I guess would be a better word, and that's how it works. Okay. And they found that the ingredients in combination, none separately as part of a broth, can help alleviate the common cold and flu symptoms Mm -hmm. and help the body fight off the infection itself. Notice I did not use the word cure. (laughs) It will not. His study began with a focus on possible anti-inflammatory properties present in the soup. He started there. And he found that white blood cell movement slowed down. And by slowing it down, 
it actually reduced inflammation, and the reduction in inflammation is a direct causational. Right, it's byproduct of, of, of the soup. Correct, and that helps alleviate the cold and flu symptoms. Huh. It's that A to B to C. So you have white blood cells slowed down by chicken soup, and that reduces inflammation, and that reduction in inflammation helps the body alleviate cold and flu symptoms. Fantastic. All right, so where do you want to go from here? What do you want to talk about next about the chicken soup? Well, the, the second part of his thing is once he did that, he said, okay, we know it reduces inflammation and that does this. What else can it do? And so what they did is they looked at what was in the chicken soup nutritionally when it was finished. Okay. So not the individual components together. And they yep. found that it is just packed with easily digestible nutrients including protein, calcium, gelatin, vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants. And through all of these, and we're not talking one or two compounds of each, we're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of compounds in here, mm-hmm. interacting with each other, and all of them healthy. And a big thing on top of it is, is that it's in a water base. Mm-hmm. Not a cream base, it's not a tomato base, it's water base. So the combination of those with the water goes into you, it helps keep you hydrated, yes. which is very important when you're ill of any kind to be hydrated. So it's the combination of the hydration and all of these nutrients and at the same time anti-inflammatory that works as a, as a holistic way to just help your body recover. I want to add two things. Obviously, it's going to put some sodium into your body that you may have lost. And the other thing is this. I think spiritually and emotionally chicken soup is good, particularly if it's homemade, because it's a comfort food. Oh, definitely. And that can't be understated. If you're feeling, if you're queasy from having the flu, there's only so many kinds of foods you're going to be able to digest. (laughs) And chicken soup for me has always been one. I can always have chicken soup, no matter how yucky I'm feeling, I can down some chicken soup. But it's a nice thought that somebody's went to the trouble, maybe not of making it, but at least buying it for you, (laughs) of having that care. Like it takes me back to when I was a kid because my mom and my grandmother used to make it for me. And that, you know, psychologically, that kind of means something, you know, like if you're lying in bed or if you're, you managed to trundle down to the kitchen to have it, I think it's soul warming and not just body warming. Well, it's, it's emotional support. Yeah. It's emotional support through food. Right. Because in your memory and in your brain, the food brings back those warm wishes of better times where your mother, your grandmother, et cetera, were with you, helping you. Liquid nostalgia. Yeah. That's a, that's a great way to put it, actually. Okay, so some people just don't like chicken soup, mm-hmm. or for them, the chicken soup isn't enough. And there are other nutrients and vitamins that we should be taking to help with cold and influenza, and you're the man to tell us about it. Definitely. I have four golden ones that I use, personally. I'm going to come back to my beloved ginger tea. Yep. <laughs> Those of you who listen know I love ginger tea. Chaga, which is a mushroom. Yep. Elderberry. And super strength of oregano. Those are my supplements in the herbal realm. Right. I take all of them in capsule form. Yes. And with the chaga and the elderberry, please make sure you go for ones that are USDA organic, as clean as you can get, because the last thing you want is stuff that isn't clean when you're feeling down. And uh, On top of that, a really good multivitamin. Right. Multivitamin, multimineral, and even on top of a good multivitamin, multimineral, zinc and vitamin C. Okay. And these are all, this is preventative, correct? They're preventative, but 
they've also found that these specific supplements will contribute to getting over it faster. They're not going to cure it, but they will help you get through it faster. Okay. We have time for one last question. This is not a scheduled question. Go for it. Do you have a chicken soup recipe? Like, are you the chef? I am the chef in my household okay. when it comes to this, especially you, considering you, my wife is are vegetarian. You, are, you, are you prepared to share your, your recipe? I do a very simple one. Okay. I, I buy the bones yep. from my local butcher. Yep. I take essentially bones from one whole chicken, yep. throw it in a pot. I throw in probably half a dozen carrots, yep. half a dozen onions, yep. as much garlic as I have sitting on the counter. Yep. And then just start chucking in spices. I do oregano, parsley, turmeric, ginger, throw them all in, set it on a low boil for a good two to three hours. And there you go. And then I just pull the stuff out and just enjoy. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. It is my pleasure. And please, everyone, enjoy a good bowl of soup. Yep. We've got to take a short break, but we'll be right back on The Tonic. Are you stressed out, feeling down, having trouble sleeping? New Roots Herbal offers natural supplements to help take the edge off, relax, enhance your mood, and sleep better. Discover De-Stress, Merry Mind Omega, and Sleep 8. Natural ingredients and guaranteed purity for a better day and a restful night. Find these and other New Roots Herbal products exclusively at quality health food stores. To ensure these products are right for you, always read and follow the label. And for more information, visit newrootsherbal.com. With EF Go Ahead Tours Canada, experience the world like a local by traveling alongside expert guides who call your destination home. Enjoy authentic meals, immersive sightseeing, and enriching cultural activities. They'll handle all the details. All you have to do is enjoy your trip. For more information, visit goaheadtours.ca. You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio. My next guest, Mario Kozovich, is a level three fascial stretch specialist and movement therapist who specializes working with patients who suffer from chronic and acute pain due to injury and postural muscle imbalances in their bodies. With over 12 years of experience, Mario's goal is to change the traditional way that rehabilitation therapy is approached in the industry. He's the owner of PhysioDNA, which was started in 2017. It has a modern approach to physiotherapy and rehabilitation. For more information about their multiple clinics across the GTA, visit physiodna.com. Welcome to the show, sir. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me on. People who listen to the show know that I work out uh, five times a week, and it's all in a class setting. Mm-hmm. And it ranges from strength and endurance training to CrossFit style hit camps uh, to this crazy class I take called Met Camp, which is uh, 45 minutes of blitz aerobics nonstop. Yes. And there's also a lot of people this time of year who are considering doing it for the first time or who are just getting back to it. So what are some of the things that they should consider if they're just starting up with a group exercise class? I think a major thing to consider is what's your current state of uh, 
fictivity and how, have you attended a class before, have you not, you need to consider a few things. So a few things being is that um, you definitely don't want to get injured on your first class. I mean, that's one thing that will set you back right away. Right. So the main thing is, is to say, okay, have I been active throughout the holidays? Have I been able to um, strengthen my core, strengthen my glutes? There's a lot of these small little factors that we can uh, take an effect that will affect that workout. Now, depending on those workouts, I think it's important to stretch before any any class. I think it's important to um, talk to the instructors and talk about how the intensity levels are. I think there's m- numerous things to consider to to be able to kind of freely enter this 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 way this wave of of hype and especially in the January February that you want to continue into the spring in a healthy sort of state and you don't want to get hurt so I think it's important uh, at the end of the day to really really consider what your current state of shape is and and then drop into a class that actually isn't a hit or a high high level class but you know start for beginner class or if there's a class that you can start with you know just from Pilates or yoga or things that you can bring yourself into slowly and then work yourself up now, if you're a high-level competitor and someone that's been doing this like yourself for a long t- level of uh, period, then yes, of course, you want to jump into it. But you know, everybody with even experienced people still gets injuries and still gets things going on in their body. So I think it's important to just really, really pay attention and listen to your body. And if something's not right, probably tone it down back a little bit and and consider what kind of intensity of the class you want to get into. Yeah, I, I think uh, the mistake I see is people come in and you know. It can be a competitive environment, and if you have a bit of an ego, Mm -hmm. you might want to keep up, but you have no idea how long these people have been exercising for or how strong they are. And just because you're the same size as the guy across the room doesn't mean you can lift what they can lift. It doesn't mean you have the lungs that they have. If you have a pre-existing injury, for example, or a pain, you should let the instructor know. Um, because, I agree with that. Because you can ask for modifications. Like a, a good instructor will always say, hey, does anybody have any injuries? Let me know. If there's something you can't do, don't do it. Right? Like there's always something else you can do. If you can't skip rope, for example, and I'm terribly coordinated, I do jumping jacks instead, right? There's That's always right. something else you can do to modify. I believe in that. And I believe a lot of people hold themselves back from asking the yeah. trainer about that because they think it's like a weakness. And I think it's important to mention that, you know, hey, my physiotherapist or hey, my chiropractor or whoever has told me that I should watch out for these types of movements. Can you please consider these and give me some modifications? The other thing to think about is this. You're probably going to be entering into a class that's busy because it's January and everybody's doing this in January. Mm-hmm. There may be 20 other people. If you don't understand the form of the exercise that you're supposed to do, for example, the proper way to do a push-up, the proper way to do a sit-up without injuring yourself, it isn't necessarily the best venue to find that out because this person, the instructor is watching 20 different people exercise. They don't necessarily have the opportunity to watch your form with every exercise. So you really have to think about that when you're doing it and ease into it so that you don't injure yourself. Yes, that is so important. And and, and the, this model today with the, with a lot of the gyms that's going on, they're trying to fit in as many people as they can. In the, and I mean, at the end of the day, it is, it is a business. But for me, I think it's important to tone it down 
down with the level of people you have in classes because you should be able to pay attention to form on each person, at least walk around or have one or two trainers um, at the same time, you know, kind of teaming up and saying, hey, let's let's watch out for 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 Jamie because, you know, he might have a knee or he might have a knee, uh, uh, ankle injury. Like maybe those mountain climbers or those really, really aggressive type of movements will not be great for him. Let's modify that. So I 100% agree with you. I think there needs to be a collective sort of approach with everyone together in in, 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 in this industry to, to think about pre-existing injuries when it comes to boot camp classes and, and high intensity classes. What are the sorts of injuries that you can get though by going to a class? Like what do you see when people come to? So mostly I think it's very common to see knee injuries and low back injuries. Yeah. And why that is, is because there's a, an excessive amount of high intensity training that requires a lot of jumping. High impact. Yeah. High impact and a lot of deadlifting, um, a lot of uh, swinging of kettlebells for people that don't necessarily have great back mobility. Yep. And let's consider this. A lot of these people are office workers. Yep. So sitting all if, day. If you're sitting all day, your hip flexors and your quads are compressed. And now you have these muscles that are tightened throughout eight hours of the day. And then you go at seven o'clock at night and you do, you know, a hundred mountain climbers and a hundred burpees and, uh, you know, and all these things that um, just make those muscles even more overworked. Not necessarily is that the best way to go about it. There's, I mean, there's a lot of different classes out there that won't go in that route, but um, not necessarily that is bad for you, but for certain individuals, I think it's important to take a personalized approach. You know, if someone has a bad back or someone has bad knee issues, um, it's important to modify for those individuals and, you know, listen to your body. I think that's very important. You know, there's no point of challenging yourself next to the person beside you if you're in pain. If you feel on a pain scale of one, one to 10, you're in at a four already and you want to push through, there's 30 minutes left in the class, you need to tone it back. I agree. So how do we prepare for a class? What should people be considering if they want to take one of these group classes? What sort of work should they be putting in before they go? I think it's very common to see that people jump into these classes on this emotional uh, wave where they feel like they need to go. So I think that's great. But what they need to be doing necessarily is uh, talking to their uh, therapist, whoever it might be that they're seeing at that time, or if they're not, I think they need to do an assessment with a trainer or they need to do assessment with a physiotherapist and see if anything's in order. You don't have to go to physiotherapy if you're injured. You can go there for a maintenance checkup and see what's going on with your body. Can I do a proper squat? How is my range of motion? If what's, you're going to... Yeah, what's the mobility? What's, what's the balance? What's the mobility? Exactly. Yeah, Where, so where's, your, where's your core strength? That's right? right. Yeah. So these foundational things, if I was to name three foundational things to consider, it's your glute strength and glute activity, Yep. your core and your mid-back. Why? Because these three guys are your big three. I call these the big three. And the reason I call them the big three is because those three muscle groups are essential for any boot camp class. Any even high-intensity training uh, routine that might require even cycling, uh, uh, rowing. There's a lot of rowers out there now. Anything that requires any high-level intensity for longer than any period of time, they should consider these three muscle groups to be very, very strong. Without going to a physiotherapist, what sort of things can we do to improve the core, mid-back, and uh, strength? Like, would you recommend doing plank? Would you recommend balance exercise? What would you say? Yes, balancing exercises are actually great. So single-legged stuff is amazing. So balancing on one leg, trying to do multiple things with your upper body is, is really, really uh, great for you, for your core. Um, 
I'm not a huge fan of uh, things that require you to do like leg lifts, like laying on your back and lifting your legs up straight up. There's a yeah. lot of low back issues that can occur with that. Correct. Planks are great, but I don't love static planks. Holding planks for 45 seconds, I think, is uh, unnecessary. I think movement planks are what's like, needed. Like military push-ups and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, military push-ups are good, considering if you have good shoulders. Yeah. Now, you know, if you have a rotator cuff issue, your shoulders are going to go. Yep. But if you want to get really advanced in a plank, I mean, you know, get creative. Use a use a fitness ball, use a big fitness ball and do some planks on that or a BOSU ball and then new new supermans and you can, you know, use your legs to, to you can lift your right arm up and your left leg up at the same time. Now, this is pretty advanced, so I wouldn't get everybody to try this, but, you know, work your way up to those types of things. Uh, I think there's uh, planks and, and, and cable rotations and twists, things that get you moving in multi-directional planes. I think that's important. So functional mobility yes. and full body uh, training with both core and uh, balance and mobility. Definitely. Definitely. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We've got to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss why resolutions to lose weight fail on the tonic. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000 square foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. I love the new MyWW program because you get matched with a plan tailored to you. Whether you're a dine-out or take-out or veggie person, definitely not just veggie person. Bread lover or cheese lover. All you have to do is answer personal assessment questions and get scientifically matched with a proven weight loss plan. Find out which new customized plan can make losing weight easier for you. The new program from WW, Weight Watchers Reimagined. Eat real food, live your life, lose the weight. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Camille Yosa is the content marketing manager at WW Canada. She helps to educate people about WW's new My WW program. Outside of work, she's obsessed with yoga, reading, and mindfulness, and above all, good food. Me too. Kira Berry is an emergency room nurse and WW member. She has restarted WW for the last time in January of 2016, but has been a member off and on since age 16. And she lost, wow, 120 pounds on the program. Congratulations. Thanks. As somebody who's lost 52 pounds himself, I know that's really, really impressive. And particularly for a woman, it's, you know, those numbers are fantastic. Kudos to you. Thank you so much. So, and a lot of other people are thinking about losing weight this time of year. It's resolution time. But despite their best intentions, Camille, most people will be off their diet, as you and I know, by the end of January. Why is that? Yeah, I think that's a really common um, issue for most people. I think it's kind of a combination of a few things. Number one would be, I think people try to do too much too fast and it's such a drastic lifestyle change to what they've been doing before that the payoff versus the effort they're putting in is really just not there and it's not something that's sustainable for the long run. A lot of times people pick something that is very um, 
drastic and not sustainable, like only eating one type of macronutrient or only eating during a certain time of day. And really, you can't sustain that for the long run. And then people also don't really take into account the mindset aspect of losing weight where you have to develop uh, patience and self-compassion. And strategies for the long term. Exactly. You know, it's one thing to take off the weight. And I think there's all kinds of different ways that you could do it and, and you might succeed in the short run. But if you're really sincere about, you know, changing your weight and keeping it off, you really have to have long-term strategies. At least that's my view. Absolutely. Kira, what did, what did you find help you to stay motivated for your fantastic weight loss? Well, I really had to think about a really strong why, like why I was doing this. And when I turned 30, I was starting to develop health issues that I was seeing patients at work just struggling with and not coping with. And I really didn't want to be one of those people. So I also got sick and tired of the excuses I was giving myself. Quitting wasn't working for me. So I kind of decided to do the opposite of what I've done and not allow myself to quit no matter what the scale said on a week-to-week basis, no matter what struggles came up in my life, I just kept going. Yeah, and that's a hard thing to do. It's super tough. So Camille, how does the new WW program work to help people who wanna not quit? Yeah, so um, the new MyWW program, it's our most customized than ever before. So kind of to take it back so people can understand, everyone gets a smart points budget during the day of what they can spend, and each food is assigned a smart points value. So this MyWW program acknowledges that everyone's needs are different and everyone's lifestyle is different. So it's going to match you to a certain program, either green, blue, or purple within MyWW, that's going to help them to address those little issues and their behavior, more specifically, of losing weight. Right, because... Depending on how old you are, whether you're male or female or how, you know, what your basic body type is or your age or, you know, how active you are, all those are going to impact on your ability to lose weight, right? Absolutely. And that's why it's more customized because every single person is different and they're going to get a different daily smart points budget. So yours is going to be different than mine, than Kira's. So we can each strive to something that's reasonable and accomplishable for yourself. Okay. So each food is, and I was looking at this myself, Mm -hmm. each food is sort of uh, attributed a certain type of point, right? Like there's a distinction. There's zero points and smart points, and I'm sure they're all branded, but what does it all mean? Sure. Smart points is kind of the foundation. So every food or drink is assigned a smart points value. We know that 100 calories from potato chips and 100 calories from fresh fruit are very different. So that's why smart points budgets are not just based on calories. They're based on calories, saturated fat, uh, protein and sugar. So those things are going to assign a number. And then there's also zero point foods, which are foods that have zero smart points associated with them. So that doesn't necessarily mean that they're zero calories, but we know that they form the foundation of a healthy eating plan and you're not likely to overindulge in them. So correct me if I'm wrong, but can you have as many zero points foods as you want? Correct. Yes. But I would say like, for example, skinless chicken breast is a zero point food. Yeah cookies or not. Right. It's really hard to eat a lot of chicken breasts, but you could eat a lot of cookies. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I personally can eat a ton of cookies. Same. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the program is self-directed, but is there support or are you on your own? There is support. So there's two ways that you can work the program. One is actually going to workshops where you go for a 30 minute workshop. You meet with other like-minded members. You talk to a coach. And then there's also the digital, just the app where you can get support through Connect, which is our members only social community. It's honestly the most positive social community I think I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And there's also like a chat function, a 24-7 chat. So if you have a question in the middle of the night, someone's there to support you. 
That's interesting. And and Kara, how did you find that work for you, the background with the social? Connect is a really, really wonderful place. Like people are just so supportive. Um, I've posted things on there and gotten incredible feedback. And even just being able to answer my questions when I have them, it's so nice because I know it's other members that are living the program that are answering these questions. And maybe it might not be all the same answer, but at least it gives me an idea of of a solution to the problem that I was having. Yeah. And I think being able to access somebody who has had the experience of going through the weight loss, I think is, is crucial because, you know, we all have our moments of weakness. For me, I'm an emotional eater. And, and if I find myself alone trying to stay up late at night, I'll eat in order to keep up, right? Which is like one of the worst things you can do. And, and if I could avoid that, that would be terrific. But, you know, having that support of being able to reach out to somebody, I think would be really helpful. Mm-hmm. So our lifestyle choices sort of part of what goes on with this program because here at the tonic we're all about sort of fitness and sleep and all and mindfulness so how does it work yeah so i would say our main three focuses are food which is like your food tracking and the zero point foods fitness and mindset so with fitness you can actually earn fit points by doing activities so it's kind of like a little reward system where the more activities you do the more fit points you earn and you can actually trade those for smart points so for more food if you wanted i call it trading wine for workouts, but yep. sorry, workouts for wine. Yeah. Way around. Um, if it worked the other way. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be great. Yeah, it would. And then we also have a partnership with Aptive. I don't know if you're familiar with them. No, what's that? So they are um, audio workouts. So that they've actually tailored and curated workouts just for WW members that you can access right in your app. So if you don't know where to get started, that's a great place. So are they low impact or how do they work? There's actually a variety because we have a variety of needs. So there's some that are low impact, some that are more um, high intensity. So it's kind of you pick and choose what works for you. Mm -hmm. And then we also focus a lot on mindset. So every week we talk about like a mindset or a food or a fitness topic and mindset's really, really popular because that's one of the key things for developing these healthy habits is kind of building that self-compassion, building that patience with yourself. And then we also have a partnership with Headspace. So they're leaders in audio meditation. So if you're kind of new to mindfulness or meditation, there's guided meditations right in your app that you can do. So it's a holistic approach. Are, are you, Kira, are you doing the, the mindfulness stuff? Yes. I really like the Headspace app and I've used the programs that are offered through the app. And um, I used to like the one for sleep, but it disappeared and they're always like rotating in new content into right. the app, which is what I like. Yeah, it, it really helps to keep you balanced and to be thinking like about the choices that you're making rather than just being impulsive and and going with your first instinct. If you're an emotional leader like I am, I mean, being able to sort of be in the moment and not be stressed out and not, you know, you, you can recognize that you deal with stress by eating food. That's step one, right? But then how do you deal with the stress? If you're able to deal with the stress, then maybe you're not reaching for the cookies and, and, and that's a good thing. Yeah. And I think your, your point to sleep, I don't think people who are losing weight appreciate how important a good night's sleep is to the weight loss process. It is instrumental. And mm-hmm. I didn't understand it because I'm not a great sleeper. I used to get four or five hours a night. Yeah. Now a good night is six and that's just me. But the more sleep I get, the much better I am at, at keeping the weight off. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And so like I'm a shift worker. So oh. <laughs> sleep is like pivotal to my life. And I can tell when I don't have enough sleep on board is when all the junk that shows up in my workplace, because I work in an emergency room, like 
docs are always buying us pizza and cookies show up and and donuts and like thank yous from family members I was going to say like I was going to say we know when we have you know God forbid when we have a family we're going to the hospital you have to make sure the nurses are yeah you, are, are you well take fed. care of your nurses <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. yeah um, and it's not that I don't appreciate those things but it's just in the moment sometimes it's it takes care of a need and it's not the best choice for my lifestyle. That sounds good. So what goals, Kara, when you were losing the weight, uh, what goals did you set for yourself when you were starting the program? Well, I'm actually not a big goal setter and good. I've had to I've had to reflect on this a bunch, but I actually when I started thinking about goals, I was just looking at five pounds at a time. I've lost 120 pounds. That is, it, it's overwhelming to think about having to lose that much weight. Yeah. So going five pounds at a time was the best approach for me. And I feel very fortunate that the app actually does celebrate those five pound increments. So, and being a workshop member, we get little charms that, that I don't know, give me a charm and I'll, I'll work hard for it. So it was, it's, it's the a casi- way to it's, encourage. It's the casino mentality, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. You hear the you hear the bells go off and the mm-hmm. whistles, but it, yeah. but actually psychologically, it does make a difference. It's a recognition of a success, right? Yes. How do you find the program works for you in keeping it off, right? Because the listeners can't see. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not heavy, and you're you're still in the program, right? Yes. Um, well, I actually reached goal in October and lifetime in November, so it's been very tricky over the holiday season to sure. to reach it at this time but i'm actually i weighed in on sunday i'm still within my goal range incredibly it's been great it's livable i don't cut anything out that i couldn't see myself cutting out for the rest of my life i have pizza every week because it's that important to me to have pizza in my life yeah part Um, of that club (laughs) yeah right so and and having pizza on a weekly basis like definitely keeps me on track and looking forward to the next time i have it well fantastic thank you both so much for coming on the show today Thank you. Thanks. We've got to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss fun new ways to meet your fitness goals on The Tonic. Be Well Health Clinic is downtown Toronto's most comprehensive psychological wellness clinic, consisting of psychiatrists, psychologists, psychotherapists, social workers, naturopathic doctors, acupuncturists, and many more practitioners all under the same roof. They take an integrative approach to your wellness, and they all work with you to achieve your goals. Located steps from Union Station, Be Well Health Clinic also does direct billing to most insurance providers. Whether your condition requires medication or talk therapy, they can help with it all. For more information, visit bewellclinic.ca. Hi, this is Jamie Busson. I'm not only the host of The Tonic Talk Show, I'm also the publisher of Tonic Magazine. Tonic is a health and wellness magazine distributed with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in the most affluent neighborhoods in Toronto. It's also available free on racks at over 150 locations across the GTA. For more information about Tonic magazine, visit tonictoronto.com. Hey, if you like the Tonic Talk Show, you'll love Tonic magazine, and vice versa. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Thank you. 
Welcome back. Our next guest, Kathleen Trotter, is a fitness expert, nutritionist, life coach, monthly guest on BT Montreal and Rogers Ottawa, and author of the books Finding Your Fit and The New Fittest Future Self. Welcome back to the show and Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year. Yeah, it's that time of year, right? Like you go to the gym. I tried to get into my favorite Pilates class and I I was seventh on the wait list. I was like, what is this? Go away. Yeah, and and that's because everybody has made the you know what, the R word, the resolution for fitness, right? I think the stats show that something like one in um, three Canadians make resolutions and then 73% of them break them by the end of January or beginning of February. Yep. Um, but you know, I love goals. So when people say, what do you think about the resolution? I'm always like, well, anytime is a good time to start. So, you know, if January 1st is motivating for you. So our brains often like that new year, new start, go for it. Um, but you got to take the time to do it right. Like you can't just make these grand proclamations of I'm going to be fit and I'm going to eat well. What does that mean? What is, what does being fit mean to you? Is that three days a week? Is that two days a week? Is that going to the gym? Is that working out at home? Like, so it's, it's a great thing to do as long as you do it, you know, quote unquote, right. Well, what are some of the mistakes that people make? I mean, I've got my own ideas. What, what do you think? Oh, I want to hear yours. Um, well, unrealistic is a really big one. Um, I call it making, um, wishes, not goals. Like people end up saying what they want, their sort of vision of who they want to be, but not setting up the systems that are going to create that fitter future them. Cause honestly, the only time we have direct control over is this moment. And so we often think about in the future, in the future, I want to be fit, you know, on Monday, I'll start January 1st, I'll do it. But we don't take the time to, to figure out what exactly that means. Like the when, the where, the how, the, what are you, actually going to do. Um, and I, I think it's about systems really. I think that we think that it's about willpower and motivation, but it's not because willpower and motivation are kind of fickle friends. Like, you know, you feel motivated at 8am in the morning and then when you're tired or you're angry or you're sad or your boss is being annoying, then you're like, Oh, I'm just gonna eat all the sugar in the world or, you know, so it's, I don't know what's, what's yours is sort of along the same lines. Well, I, I look at it this way. If it, it gets to the point where what you're considering doing is a life change. Okay. Yeah. Whether it's I'm, I'm out of shape. I want to be in shape or I need to lose 20 pounds. Let's just pick a number. Okay. okay. You didn't become out of shape in a month. Yes. You didn't gain 20 pounds in a month. I, I presume you didn't gain 20 pounds in a month. So why do you think that you're going to fix it in a month? Totally. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah. So I, I think, I, I think you need to sort of consider that whatever the, however big the problem is, you got to give yourself enough time to deal with it. Right. Well, it's the compounding interest of habits and they can either compound for you or against you. You know, you don't really notice if one day you skip the gym, you know, you don't really notice that in your pants or, or you might feel slightly less energetic, but you do, if you skip the gym for five years, then you really notice it. So it's about understanding that the small things you do on a daily basis really add up and you want to trend in the right direction. Yeah. Um, so I, I agree with you, but I, I think I want to even um, really narrow in on this idea of systems because it's when you are tired or you're angry or sad, if you've created an environment that works for you, you know, if you don't have crap in your house, for example, you're tired at 11 o'clock at night and you're kind of, you know, a little bit sad and you, but I don't, I don't have crap in my house, so I don't have anything to eat. Like I've created that system. I appreciate that my future self is not going to feel as I do in this moment. You know, I go to the grocery store and I think, oh, I can have those fudge bars in my house. It's fine. And then I'm like, oh, actually, no, you can't, Kathleen, because just because you feel like at this moment that you're going to be fine at 11 o'clock tonight, 
11 o'clock comes on, you're like, oh, I'm not actually, right? So everyone's systems are going to be different. It could be getting a friend, like a fitness buddy. It could be leaving um, exercise clothes in the car. So if a meeting cancels, then you can just sort of run quickly to the gym. It could be getting a meal delivery service. So I don't, I'm not arguing that any system is right or wrong. It just has to be a system that works for you. Like maybe you have to make sure you get childcare. Um, you know, you could say, well, I'm going to work out every night after work, but if you need to go pick up your kids, you know, how, how are you going to make that happen? Right. Where do you want to start? Do you want to talk about the mistakes that people make or do you want to talk about the things that they should do to succeed? How do you want to approach it? I'm going to tie it up, both of those in a nice little bow and say, I think often people focus in the past on all the things they've done wrong. You know, I've tried this diet and it hasn't worked. I've tried this and it doesn't work. And that ends up sort of making them shame spiral and feel miserable and not motivated. And so one of the things I like to do with my clients is actually say, let's find your bright spots. So as opposed to trying to find the perfect diet or workout to follow, look for bright spots in the past that have worked for you and then curate a program based on your bright spots. So if in the past you've really been motivated when you've joined a sports team, then let's do that. Um, You know, if in the past it's really worked for you to train in the morning, let's do that. Um, If it works for you to take conference calls as you walk and accumulate your steps, do that. Um, but go actually like take the time to sit down, figure out what your goal is. Like, do you want to lose weight? Do you want to get stronger when you want that goal to, to happen? Um, and then the steps that have worked for you in the past that you could implement for a plan that's very curated to you, your lifestyle, the amount of money you have, um, you know, your realities, not who you want to be like, as in, you know, I can want to be as good a tennis player as Serena Williams. It's never going to happen. So not that sort of unrealistic vision of who you want to be, but the realistic person that you actually could be based on your, you know, your genetics and your life stage and and your strength and your past injuries and all those kind of things. Yeah. I I think, uh, that requires a certain level of candor with yourself. I think you need to be really real. If you're going to entertain that exercise, you really have to be honest with yourself and say, you know, like maybe there's not a lot of things that work, but you know, this does, um, and you have to, you have to really understand what is working for you. I think the other thing is this goals are great, but the process is actually more important. And that, and and by that, I mean, whatever, what, if you want to lose 20 pounds, awesome. But I think you have to be comfortable in the, I've lost one pound this week. Like I I'm doing this and this is something that I'm going to do for however long it takes me because you shouldn't say, I want to lose 20 pounds by labor day. You're if you know, if, if weight loss is your goal, it's like, I want to lose weight and I want to lose weight consistently and I want to keep it off. And, and, and while I'm doing it, I'm going to appreciate the process of what I'm doing for myself and how I'm doing it because I'm quite frankly, if I want to be successful, I got to do it for the rest of my life. I absolutely agree. And I think that goals can be part of that process, but too often people fall on and off the house horse because they only focus on the goal. And really being healthy is understanding how to struggle well and how to have a growth mindset. Meaning we all fall, like I fall off my health horse sometimes, but I course correct incredibly quickly. So in, you know, if I fall, I'm like, Oh, why did I do that? Oh, did I let myself get too hungry? Okay. I should have some almonds in my purse. And I don't use that fall as a reason to spiral you know, to miss a week of workouts or to eat badly for a week. And I think that people often 
feel that they need this perf- perfect mindset, right? It's like, I have to pick the word gym five days a week. I need to eat perfectly. And then as soon as you make one misstep, you're like, ah, oh, screw it. I'm just going to go down the rabbit hole of unhealthy for a few months. Well, that's uh, why, that's why I think this time of year is really problematic to start a program because you've just come off the holidays where I'm sure you are not exercising and eating and drinking and doing all those things that aren't leading to your health, right? Like if we're talking about health goals, right? Yeah. I don't think it's problematic to do it at this time of year. I just think it's important to do it right and to realize that it is that process. It is the small changes that add up and that you have to ditch the mindset of perfection and instead embrace the mindset that it's a process. You will fall, that falling is inherent to any process, no matter what it is, like learning a new language, you know, being in a relationship, the struggle is part of it. And when you fall, you course correct quickly, you learn from the mistake and you just sort of say, you know, everyone, like the healthy and the non-healthy among us, we all have these cravings. We all have the thoughts, we all fall, but it's, you know, do I give in to my craving? Do I course correct quickly? Do I say, oh, well, I had a bad day today, but like, what do I learn from it? How do I get to the gym tomorrow? Um, and what can I do differently that will make me more successful? Like, you know, maybe one of the things I talk about with my clients is, um, gamifying their health. Like if you're somebody that you know, that likes a challenge, so get your family involved and track your steps. And then whoever gets the most steps, you know, they get to pick family movie night or join a sports team. Or, you know, if you really love technology, for example, use it, learn to use it for your, your advantage, right? So track your food. Um, or they've actually, been studies that show that if you have a craving for a food, if you play a game like Tetris or Candy Crush for three minutes, I think it decreases your craving for that food by 25%, which will be maybe just enough to be the difference between wanting the chocolate almonds and, and actually eating them, which in my case, I love my chocolate almonds, yeah, right? See, my, so, my, my problem was I was addicted to the Candy Crush game, right? So yeah, <laughs> yeah, you have to make sure that your game you're playing isn't addictive in and of itself. Oh, Sorry. And you have to say it's only for three to five minutes, but that's just an example. I mean, some yeah. people, listen, my mom hates technology. She would never want to use technology as her gamification. Um, but it could be, you know, that you get involved, you get 10 of your friends together and that you guys email fun recipes and you chat and you find a community with in those 10 people, they're like your accountability buddy, right? It's, it's using what works for you in any type of sort of fun challenge, if that's going to be good for you. Um, you have to know yourself really, honestly, I think if anybody gets anything from this interview is stay in your own lane, like thrive in your lane. It doesn't matter what works for your best friend or your brother or your sister. It only matters what works for you. Um, and you want to thrive and you want to do the things that are going to make you healthy and happy and, and things that are going to set yourself up to be that future fitter you that you want to be. Yep. That is uh, amazingly good advice and commonsensical. I, it's common sense, but it's hard to do. It is, but the best advice is always the hardest to follow. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. We're going to hear back from you next month, right? Absolutely. I'll be here. It's my pleasure. Thanks to all my wonderful guests, Joel Thuna, Mario Kozovich, Camille Losa, Kira Berry, and Kathleen Trotter. And thank you all for listening to The Tonic. You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes, contact information for our guests, and links at thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can follow us at The Tonic Talk Show on Instagram or Facebook. For great articles written by Joel Thuna and other amazing health and wellness writers, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. Tonic's available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighborhoods in Toronto. Or... 
you can visit us at our website, tonictoronto.com. If you're interested in providing feedback or suggesting topics for the show, you can email me at jamie at tonictoronto.com. Please join us next week on The Tonic when we'll discuss preemptively attaining your health goals, the emotional and physical challenges to home downsizing, five essential things to help change your body, and how yoga can help you reach your goals. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. Please consult a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program. This has been a paid announcement. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.